don't allow society to, to fashion you into being who they want you to be or who they believe you should be. Um, you are not a failure. I, I think that a lot of us want success and we want it now. And as a result, we shouldn't be praying for success. We should be praying for patience because we are missing the mark. A lot of us don't understand the blessing when we even get them. Hello and welcome to Journey to Father podcast. Again, I know, I know, I know it's been a while, but today we really wanted to pick things up with a great friend of mine, a former teammate, a brother through and through. His name is Romain Lavelle. And he's one of those people that I've seen from being a teammate, being a friend, seeing his growth as a man, getting married and having a wonderful son. And it's just amazing to have people like this come on board he played in the same team as myself and Billy, if you remember the first season where Billy came on. And I just wanted to have this conversation where we're just going to chill and talk about the different areas in terms of manhood, husbandry, it's the, I think that's a word, husbandry <laughs> and fatherhood. I'm just making up words now. But without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to my friend and my brother, Romain Lavelle. How you doing, man? I'm great, man. Uh, first, let me start off by saying, my, my, my accent is in Norway, close to Chini's accent. So if at any point you don't understand me, Chini, just slow me down or tell me to repeat it because um, it's been a while since I've been living over there and everything that I was breaking down before, I tend not to break down as much now. <laughs> I'm I, all about to be comfortable in speaking how I usually speak. So if I oh need no, to slow down at any think, point, just let yeah, me know. It's a great thing because at least this way they can listen to it five times if they don't understand it the first time. <laughs> so we can get the views. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. But yeah, it's a pleasure to be here with you, man. I, I really appreciate what you're doing, and yeah. I hope that in some way we can minister to the lives of people that are listening. Um, fathers, mothers, even um, children, sons and daughters. So yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. Appreciate that. First of all, let's just kind of break it down. Let's just talk about okay. So you guys are in the introduction. I talked about how. We both used to play for the same team, Coventry University men's team. And I just wanted to kind of first go back to how it was back then. For you, I'm interested to know how, because you came for your master's, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, I did. I One did. year master's program. One year master's program, that intense program that, that y'all be running over there. Listen, that, that program, I definitely couldn't do it. That's why I decided, you know, I'm done with school. <laughs> as soon as I was done with graduate undergrad. I was like, you know yeah. what, you guys can keep it. I'll do my certifications online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said I was done. Uh, <laughs> but now and then, work might require me to go back and do a sponsored program, but that's neither here nor there. But I wanted to kind of go on that topic. I'm interested to know, because remind me, how old were you then when you came to the UK? Um, I was 24 when I came to the UK, 25 when I left. 25 when you left. That's a very yeah. pivotal time. So... How did it, how did the transition feel? I know it was only for one year, but how yeah. was that transition? Well, interestingly enough, before I left here, I have a, a mother figure that told me if I go over there and I spend too long, then, you know, you run the risk of your wife finding somebody else. So um, when she said wife finding somebody else, she was not my wife at the time. And she was okay. jokingly saying it to say, you know, the woman that you need to marry is here. So make mm. sure that when you're finished, you come back to the woman that you need to marry. Don't spend longer than you need to. Don't go over there and stop. And, you know, so it was, it was one of those things to keep your head on. Uh, well, go over there in a very rough and real way, which I appreciated. But say that to say that when I came over, um, I made sure that everything was done in the way that it was supposed to be done. Um, I was able to get distinction in my master's because really and truly it's as much as you're meeting new friends and stuff over there, it's still a case where you're, um, apart from the world that you're accustomed to. I can tell you that um, English life is a very, very different world to living in Barbados. So it's, it's, it's different all around. Um, the weather is definitely different. Um, <laughs> definitely. The, the people are definitely different. Yeah. Um, but I embrace the, the difference that came with living overseas. And I think in embracing it, it allowed me then to have a, a better experience all around. And we would talk, meaning myself and my girlfriend at the time, wife now, but we would talk on a daily basis. Um, so it, it, was, it was an interesting time period, but honestly, it, it was a rewarding one that I, 
I'm very happy with and I wouldn't have changed for anything. I met some lovely people, man. Uh, shout out to yourself, Billy, um, Constantine. Ah, I, Constantine. I lovely people, man. No yeah. more than today. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I, the reason why I asked that is because there are two things that happened. Not only was that a pivotal age in 24, 25, 20, you left at 25, but 24, you kind of know yourself. You kind of built an identity, what your values are. I'm sure what your principles yeah. are, how you operate. So my thing was, you kind of mentioned about the transition from coming to, from Barbados to stay um, to study for a year. The next question I have was in terms of when you came over here, I know it's a very broad question. What were your view of men in the UK in terms of how they operate compared to those in Barbados? Um, I felt like it's my scene. I'm trying to find. I'm gonna say something to problematic. It. Yeah, this this might be this might be a bit problematic because see my my perception of things when I went to the UK, um, it it seemed bland to me. Um, okay. Bland in the sense that, you know, in Barbados we're we're filled with color. Our houses are many different colors. Our mm. um, our our world is colored differently. Um, it's yeah. not to say that England is without color. It's just um, being from a Caribbean island, what I'm accustomed to, um, maybe food. Um, and, I knew you were going to mention food. Being, yeah, of course. I heard you mention food. Um, so food and the, the way that people react. Um, I would say that we are a lot, a lot more friendly at first in, in Barbados. We greet each other on the street with a good morning good afternoon good evening it's the way you were raised so like you yeah. can't pass someone on the street whether you know them or not uh, well at least in years gone by and just not say anything that would be considered rude yeah. but I think that was like the norm over there so uh, regardless of age it's a, I would say good morning sometimes and you know it's almost like a good morning almost like people are shocked that <laughs> there's like a good morning like sorry who are you do i know you and um so that's that's one area another thing is as i said it, it feels like um over there for instance i'm um, used to seeing many properties within the same color so that was literally different you were to me. not impressed that, that brick color yeah it's like everybody like paint does not sell for the outside of houses. Um, that's that's what struck me when I first got there. It is just first impression. Obviously, it changed over time yeah. uh, to some extent. But um, yeah, it was it was it was different. Um, but I, as I said before, it's a case where you embrace the difference. And honestly, it was an enjoyable time all around. Um, even though people are not directly, you know hi my name is or good morning good evening unless it's a setting which requires such yeah i found that the english people are actually very nice people and i i really enjoy spending time with them um i went to about uh, one two three about four churches while i was there um three of them consistently so i was able to meet a number of people from churches there as well and i can say that they they definitely welcome you with open arms man they're in in that community setting and stuff it's it's a really enjoyable time so when i experience people and men over there um that is all that i can really relate to the the men over there and how they um treat others whether it's a new person or um whether it's a, a person that they're familiar with in the right setting i i believe that it was a very um warming experience i would say okay i like I like how you're really trying to pick your words right now. You're trying to be very yeah. nice. <laughs> trying to be very nice. Yeah. Plus, I'm trying to think about how I'm speaking so that so that I'll be understandable. I know, even that. from your facial expression, it's like a yeah. lot of thoughts going into it. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll use a trans <laughs> we'll use a transcriber if they can't understand. But <laughs> no problem. One thing I wanted to also ask is this. So you came over here to study, yeah. and from what you said already, you were in a long long distance relationship. For you. Yeah. And that's interesting because I didn't know you were in a relationship when you came over all through that yeah. year. So when I after you went home, after you went back and started posting pictures, I thought that was when you got into the relationship. Oh, I see. Later got married. I had no idea. 
but I guess it's not something you go around telling everyone. So, I, I, I would definitely say, um, but it's it's not that I I wore something on my chest or that in mind at the time I said you know I'm in a relationship. But I don't know. You were a very straight guy. You had your very um you have had a very noble personality and things like that, but. I'm, I think for me, it's interesting how you said it. And I know your um, your mother figure, you said that you better make sure you come back on time. Yep. There's two questions to that. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go there. Yes. So when you were, so how many years were you in a relationship before you came to the UK? Okay. So I got in that relationship in 2011, January, 2011. Okay. Um, so I was in that relationship for four years before I came to the UK. And then um, four years, no, three years before he came to the UK. And then um, that would be in my going into my fourth year in that relationship while I was in the UK. Mm. Then when I came back, I, I always had the, the mentality that, you know, I, I was coming back to marry um, the person that I was in the relationship with. So when I came back, um, I was prepared for it because I, I would have, saved up a bunch of money and mm-hmm. uh, I went and I, I had an idea of how I wanted the ring to look. Um, so I was able to go and get them to, well, I got my best friend at the time mm-hmm. to just draw, draw what it would look like. And I actually was able to take that drawing to them and have them give me mock-ups of what it would look like. So I, I, we really customized the ring. Um, I wanted bows in it because she likes bows. I wanted sapphire because I thought it worked well with white gold. I wanted diamonds. Like, so I, I put all the components of what I thought she would like into the ring and I got them to build it. Of course, when they gave me about the first quotation, I told them, okay, so we're taking out half these guys. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yeah, nine working. I was, I was, <laughs> nine working. Nah, so you see that when you go in there, like all those coming out, and then yeah, we work from there. So that's that's primarily how it went. But then we were able to sell on something that I thought could work, and um, I came back prepared. Came back yeah. prepared to definitely do that. I love your honesty, man. I love your honesty because yeah, I, I mean, but we we actually a shameless plug at this point because my wife and I we started a. Um, online ministry a few years ago as well after our, um, our, our after our marriage a year after our marriage and it's called level lifestyle so i think our our instagram name is at level set you free l-o-v-e-l-l set you free um, because level is our last name yeah so level set you free and on our youtube page we would have had the proposal um of how the proposal was done because I, I had also done it in a creative way. Um, it was called The Perfect Surprise on, on YouTube. So if you wanted to see it, you, you can see it there as well. I'll definitely put the handle on the description when we're so done. Sure. Now, I don't know, because I guess it's a different dynamic in a way, because you always knew you were going to go back. So my yeah. question is then, I know we're really focused on the relationship part, because me, I need, to, I need them tips. We all need them tips. Um, while she were abroad studying, how did you maintain that long distance? I know you said you were talking every day, but how were you able to stay keyed in to still just building that relationship properly? Because in this day and time, people are struggling with the long distance. And I know a lot of my friends, male and female, that say they can't do the long distance because they don't yeah. see it working out in the long run or they don't. Yeah, I'm interested to hear. How did you work on that? Yeah, so for me, um, well, two things come into play here. Um, first and foremost, I, I definitely have a, a commitment that is beyond my my wife or girlfriend at the time, and that's a commitment to God. And mm. in that commitment with God, I know where I stand. I'm not saying that um, every Christian should be able to do a long-distance relationship, but I'm saying that it worked for me in my commitment with God and my walk with Christ. Yeah. It allowed me to know that, you know, um, at the end of the day, this is the plan that I have for my life. And I am fairly good at setting plans for my life and um, trying my best to follow them. I'm not going to say that they always work out, but trying my best to follow them. Mm. And um, I, I believe that remaining committed to, to God and keeping that 
constant communication because um, the channels of communication have to remain open at all times. So giving that constant communication with her on a daily basis definitely helped. Um, secondly, mine came with a, a time stamp. So while people say, you know, um, it's difficult for long distance relationships, which I fully understand, um, I was going under the understanding that as my um, mother figure said, you know, you have a timeline so come back by X time. So yeah. I was working towards making sure that whatever I do, I am able to finish by this time so that I can come back by this time yeah. so that I can marry my girlfriend at the time who is now my wife. So um, I think it's difficult for some people because they don't have a timeline. Um, some people have longer timelines as well. Some people are studying for like three, four, five years, et cetera. So as a result, it's more difficult for them because they're further apart for a longer period of time, which puts uh, a whole different spin on it, makes it a lot more difficult. But for me, it wasn't as difficult because as I said, we, commit, we communicated constantly and I, I maintained that relationship, not only with her, but my relationship with Christ at the time. Um, and honestly, it, it, it worked. Um, I, it was like you were working towards the goal and that's essentially what I saw it as. I think a lot of people listening to this will be like, I want to know more about this guy, how he was able to maintain all that. So this brings me to the next curve because we're still going to come back to the relationship because that's a big sure. part. And I want us to kind of dive down into, because everything built up, like I said, at 24, 25, you kind of had your values built up, your principles and identity. So let's go back to that. Who is Romain Lavelle? Ah, oh, Romain. Remain, who is remain? You know, this is always an interesting question. Like the, the more I ask myself this question and I ask others this question and people ask me this question, yeah. it, it doesn't ever get easier. It's not something that I would I like to it changes every day. So, yeah, it's not something that I would like to rehearse because honestly, I, it could change at any given time. And if it's not changing, then that is saying a lot more about who remain is than than anything else. So for me, I would say right now, Romain is an ambitious person. Romain is an ambitious person who is passionate and passionate about various things, passionate about Christ, passionate about um, family, passionate about his career, investing, um, passionate about building new relationships and passionate about being the best version of himself. And I know that sounds cliche, but I think oftentimes, even though it sounds cliche that many of us take it for granted. Um, so. I'm, I'm very passionate about how I can improve and assist others in, in their walk, in their life. And anything that I can do to help, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm more than willing to, to help as long as it doesn't compromise any of my values or anything. Absolutely. But I would say in a nutshell, Romain is a very ambitious and passionate um, man of God. That is me stuffing Romain into a box that is a very broad box going back on that like you said the definition of who you are changes over time because it shows growth and also shows new discovery yourself now let's take it back to who Romain was at the age of 11 12 because I know back home people mature faster or differently people mature yeah. differently and I'm interested to know because your experience when you came to the UK was at the age of 24 I came to the UK when I was 11. So for mm. me, I wasn't born and raised in the UK. I came to the UK at the age of 11. So yeah. trust me, I understand the bland food thing, but not to say that, you know, we've got variety. Now. <laughs> 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 I, I wanted you to mention that English people mad, boy. I was careful not to say bland food that I was served in the UK. Listen, we've got variety now. That's all I can say. There's <laughs> Listen, I need to be careful. Not, not to cross you, right? But I actually remembered uh, a situation that you said that where, um, so I, I was upstairs in the hub, right? Yeah, this oh, is my, please. my first experiences <laughs> eating in the UK in the first week. And they were like, okay, you can pay for your meal here. And then you go down and just um, collect one in. So I paid, for, I paid for two starches and a meat, right? <laughs> the two starches they gave me, I kid you not, with my fish or chicken, I can't remember what it was. The two starches they gave me was mashed potatoes and and chips. Uh, y'all call no, y'all call them chips over there. Are 
fries. I, I can't remember. Chips. Now. We call it chips as well. Chips. So yeah. mashed potatoes and chips. And I remember I looked at the lady and I was like, you know, both of these are potato, right? <laughs> like, like you know, it's, I'm in the line, like, it's, it's not just me, right? Like, y'all know both of these are potato. Like, <laughs> I just paid for two starches. And, anyhow, yeah, sorry to cross you, man. But it was just, that was a, a, a real um, change in the way that I experienced food and the way that uh, the English have food as well. Yeah, the way you keep referring to starches, that's the official yeah. name. But like, yeah. <laughs> chips and mashed potato are the same. It's like both are potato potatoes. No one told you this. <laughs> like, hey, hey, what is <laughs> what is happening? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Coming back. Listen, you you got me laughing yeah. without my cheeks are hurting. But um, go. The reason why I asked that is because for me there was a lot of culture sh- shift when I came, and I know you mentioned it briefly. What I also want to understand is in terms of, at that time when I came, I was so impressionable. Like anyone, I was easily influenced back then when I came, my English was, I could speak English, but my accent was far from, from the British accent that it sort of is now. And back then I know what I went through in terms of trying to understand, okay, who do I try to be like? How am I gonna be, who's gonna influence me? Who do I talk to? How do I present myself? Who is Chinadum here? Yeah. I'm interested to know back when you were growing up in Barbados at around the age of 11 as well, what was your life like? Talk me through 11 to 16. I feel like through my, my younger teenage years, my life was very impressionable. Mm. Um, it's funny because I, I was actually thinking about this this morning. Oh, yeah. and it, was, it was even... Um, nothing to do with, with what I thought that would have been asked here. But I was thinking about it this morning because I, I felt like there's certain things in, in my life that even though I wouldn't want to attribute um, any form of glory to any one individual or um, one experience, I, I do think that those things had a great and a significant impression um, and impact on my life and how how I would have moved at that point in time so things would happen with friends um experiences that you would have had with friends um things that you would have heard them say to their parents yeah. and you try saying it to yours but hmm. I don't know, I don't no, know it same way. it's a completely different result um shout out to you mom um so yeah I I feel like we we sorry not we myself um growing up in Barbados I was I was fairly impressionable and um as a result i i made i don't know choices or decisions that you know you'll look back on and you would it's not that you don't regret them because you do but things that have fashioned you to become the person that you are now um so trying to think of an example of growing up things that I would have experienced that would have changed my outlook somewhat. Nothing immediately comes back to mind. But I, I remember, actually, yeah. So in, in secondary school, the way that I, I was in secondary school, because that's my secondary school um, life that you're referring to. And the way that I was in secondary school, it, my focus was not there. Um, I was fairly lawless. Um, I, I remember doing fairly lawless things. Um, the way you're saying lawless, I, you definitely don't want to reveal it. Okay. No, it's, I, so I had a nickname at the time. They used to call me, um, wigs and that was because. Let me write this the, one down for it. Come on. Tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Exposing myself. No, that was because of the song that Ludacris has, um, or had at the time, um, stop, drop, kaboom. Some call me Ludacris, some call me Mr. Wiggles. So it actually came from Mr. Wiggles and then it just was shortened to Wiggs. Man like Wiggs. Some of my friends still call me Wiggs today, but a few of them knew it as Mr. Wiggles. And I remember Mr. Wiggles was in a very bold font to the back of classrooms, um, right across the wall. So it was a lot of graffiti one. Uh, I remember walking in a class one day and I I kicked the door and the whole thing came down. It was just lawlessness. breaking lights, doing, doing lawless stuff. I always was respectful, but looking back on it, it was, 
it was extremely lawless stuff. Um, so schoolwork was not a top priority for me at all. Um, actually, at one point, well, I stopped down. So I repeated a, we call it stop down, but repeat a form. I'm not sure if y'all repeat forms. Yeah, we repeat if you, repeat, if you right? So I repeated the form um, in, in secondary school. Um, I, I remember getting my report and, you know, all these red marks all through it. I remember I got a zero at a, in a subject for end of term. And wow. it's like, you know, now I look back at it, like, what, what were you doing in class, though, man? Like, what, what was school to you? It was, I remember being sent to a, a school with, um, with solely, like, I don't want to call them delinquent, but children that were not concentrating on schoolwork. Yeah, very sent, nice guy, Romain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was sent to this camp with all these children that, you know, were just lawless as well. Yeah. Um, and I came close to being kicked out of that. Um, That's right. oh, I, wow. Yeah, we, we, we had some interesting experiences there and encounters, but I don't want to paint a, a negative image of me, um, at least past me, to the point where people can't see past that, because um, that's not who I am. As I said, we continue to change, yeah? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we um, sorry, I keep saying we, but I, I definitely had some experiences when I was young um, and repeating the form and doing the lawlessness. And that showed that, you know, I was fairly impressionable and it's really not, um the person that God had me to become. And that transition started to take place only after my secondary school days. So uh I was I was able to get out of secondary school with a few what we would call CFCs or certificates. And I was able to use those to get into college. We only have one actual college here on island so oh, wow. okay. able to use those to get into college um we have tertiary level institutions but only one is technically a, a college we have secondary schools that have an additional form that make up um sixth form that you can go to as well but um so yeah i went to the the college i i did accounts and law at associate degree level okay. i took a year and longer than I was supposed to because I was still breaking out of that transition period of full lawlessness and not concentrating on work to the point where I started to think about it a little bit. And in that um, college, those college years, I did an extra year because I would have failed some of the subjects there as well. Wow, so okay. then I was able to get my associate degree after that that allowed me to enter the university that we have here. Uh, we only have one university here as well. And, and island, okay. the yeah, the university here on island. And, and I think that's where things change because that's where my wife came into the picture. Um, so also you met her when you were in university back in Bali. Yeah, when it, was, when it was, I think it was that period that I was going into university. So right before I entered, the university and she also would have gone to the university now she's younger than i am but because of the two-year difference being that i would have repeated the form in secondary school which is one year additional yeah. and then i would have repeated another year at community college, college. yeah um then because of that two year then we went into um the university at the same time but she had started going to the church that i attend so as a result the we went into university at the same time, man. Honestly, I, I would I would give her her roses. It was definitely um, her influence and impact upon my life that caused me to change. And you know, a lot of men would out there would say a woman can't change me, but I think that y'all might be thinking that a woman is trying to change you for the worse. This this lady changed me for the better because mm. after I got into university. Um, and I realized, you know, how smart she actually was because she she was extremely good um, in in her studies and stuff. So after I realized how smart she actually was, it made me, you know, I didn't want to be the dumb one at the back trying to keep up. So I started to get a little more studious, um, mm. started going to the library and 
to the um, IT rooms a bit more because she was going to the library and the IT rooms. That's a positive influence, <laughs> so, right? You know, it, it had a positive impact there. And as a result, I, I was able then to get out of university with honors, which Congrats, is, bro. yeah, it was commendable because I needed the honors in order to get into Coventry University. So I just a scholarship. started this. No, I didn't get a scholarship, but okay. the, the way that at least Coventry um, has it for us. In order for me to get into Coventry to do the masters, I had to have um, I have to have honors. I had to have work experience. Um, I had to have a number of things actually, in order to get into to Coventry, which was extremely shocking when I got there. And I realized some people from other countries didn't have oh, to have. Listen, we're back to being nice. <laughs> we're back to being nice now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so essentially, it, it it was my wife's um influence that changed the the remain of well at least from a actually in in many ways from what I was in secondary school as that young impressionable guy, um still being impressionable because clearly I was um influenced by my wife that had an impact on me, Positive, but yeah. in a positive light, thankfully, and I was able to then use that. Um, to propel me to think differently. Right there. What I want to know now is that in terms of because we're going to get to, I, I want us to, the reason why I'm doing this is I've taken it from stage. We started by talking about obviously how we met Coventry and your experience. Now we talked about your formative, your early years in terms of 11 to about 16 or so, secondary school life, and now kind of transitioning to university. I want to know in terms of all through this time, was your father around or what was the relationship with your father throughout this time? Um, my father was around and yeah, in my secondary school life, my um, community college and um, university life, definitely still around today. So we, he doesn't live with me. So um, in secondary school, you know, he went through the same motions as my mom did trying to get me to understand the value of education and yeah. the importance of discipline and learning and that sort of stuff um i wouldn't say it was to no avail but to little <laughs> um and i i commend them for it um especially my mom for all the stuff that she would have done to really try to help me to get on that path of doing what is necessary to be a better um individual all around, whether it be spiritually, uh, physically. At that time, my father wasn't as, as I don't want to use the word spiritual, but as grounded in Christianity as he is now. So it was really my mom that was pushing that um, and definitely my stepfather's influence um, that would have assisted there. So, oh, I yeah, I, they, they had their fair share of, of difficulty dealing with me growing up, man. And... I, I thank them for not giving up. If you don't mind me, um, please let me know if it's too much. Um, you you just briefly mentioned about stepfather. So what was your relate? Was there a different dynamic in terms of how you related with your father and your stepfather? Um, yeah, because I lived with my stepfather, it was, it was definitely a different dynamic. I didn't live with my dad. Okay. Um, I would visit my dad, but I didn't live with my dad. So um, in terms of love and stuff my stepfather didn't shy away from loving me caring for me mm. um i'm actually very indebted to my stepfather in my eyes because he was there um at all stages throughout my life so yeah i'm extremely thankful for him brilliant and then so you said that so what about with your dad was it less of that or the same um my dad my dad was around um a lot more in my secondary school life it was um going on mm. so it was different in that sense that it wasn't the traditional um type of family that you would have where it's like a nuclear family with the mother and father yeah. and the child involved it was different in that sense um but just say that to say it wasn't a case where i was raised by like a single mom i still had my um stepfather there to support and stuff so yeah. thankful for that for sure that is, that is a lot to be thankful for. And it's, it leads me to the next question. What would you say you've learned from, I'm guessing you had more of an 
active relationship with your stepfather because you lived in the same house. What would yeah. you say you've learned from that experience, that, that relationship you still have with your stepdad? But all through those years, what would you say you've taken away key values that's helping you right now as a father? Well, the, the important thing is that regardless of um, differences, because families have differences at any given time. So regardless of differences, I can say that my stepfather was always there. And I try to take that into to my uh, personal life. Not that I have any differences with my son. My son is only a year. He'll be a year and nine months um, on Wednesday. So not that I have any differences with my son at, at his young age, yeah. even though he's starting to enter like that tantrum stage that he's trying to, to go into. But um, not that I have any differences with my son at this point. But I think that is essential for me regardless of how I feel, irrespective of how I feel, to always be present, to always be there, to always be supportive, to always be um, the father figure that my son would need in his life because I am his father. So it's important for me to, to actually always be there. And that is, that is definitely something I would take away from what my stepfather um, has been for me. Okay. And this is something I, I probably, I think it relates to now and even the future. This is another question that can sound can go different angles. What would you say manhood is? The terminology or being a man, what does that mean or look like to you? Um, when I hear manhood, honestly, it makes me think of responsibility. So we all have responsibilities as men to uphold. Um, the the word would point out a number of responsibilities that we have as the head of the household, the leader of the household, you know, and that, that isn't to be taken lightly. And that isn't to be taken as a dictatorship either, because we know that the greatest leaders follow. So we, we have to, you know, love our wives, our children, if we have children. Um, some of us are living alone in a house. You're, you're still the head of that household, obviously. And you have to treat that household as God would have you to treat that household. So I, I think when I think manhood, I think responsibility and living up to responsibility and what is necessary um, for you to provide. To, and that people always think of finances when the word provide is, is stated, but it's not only uh, provision from a financial perspective, there's emotional support, there's um, physical support, uh, there's assistance wherever it is needed in the, the home. It's, it's definitely not only financial, even though I, I think that you should also be some form of a financial uh, support, even if it is that you're, you're I don't know, doing something that assists your wife in acquiring the finances. I, I think that every relationship is different. So what works for my relationship, for my relationship, my my wife might carry out the garbage and I might pawn an apron and cook. That doesn't mean that it's going to be the same thing for your relationship. Mm. So you have to just find what works well for your relationship. And you have to be a man in literally owning that. So don't feel a way about putting on an apron and cooking because at the end of the day, you have responsibilities. You know what works for your household. So anything manhood, I think of responsibilities and how we are supposed to just fulfill our end of the bargain, yeah? As the leaders of that household and be responsible for our families. I appreciate that. And I think it's an amazing perspective that you've kind of given in terms of the example you gave with the apron. Because I think yeah. so many, and I've often found this where men attach their value on terms of financial position, that I'm more yeah. of a man if I can provide financially for her. But let's take it even further back to the stage that you were in before you even went to university, where you were single. What would you say to the men that are grown or even younger that are single and still trying to find themselves? What would you advise if you were to go back to advise to those single, single men in terms of how to develop the skills that they need to be the better version of themselves and also prepare themselves for husbandhood, making up words now, being a husband and also being a father in the future? All right, so when I spoke about manhood just now, mm. I don't want to give you the impression that I think that responsibility starts from being a husband. 
a responsibility starts way before being a husband. All throughout your um, stages growing up, you have to be responsible because essentially it's fashioning you into the man that you're becoming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when, when we talk about before I was married and being single um, to those that are out there now that are single, you have a responsibility now as well. And I would say very, very earnestly to make sure that you pay attention to what the word of God is saying, um, that singles are people growing up, you know, train up a child in the way it should grow and when it's old, it shall not depart from it. There, there are certain things that you would have now, and this is not only as children in the babe stages, but also children of Christ. Like you could be a child of God and you know, now become a child of God and you're not necessarily a child. You might become a child of God at 16 years old, 21 years old. You can train your mind from that age so that when you become older in your faith, you wouldn't depart from the very fundamentals that you had when you became a child of God. Yeah. Okay. So I think that we have to be um, responsible enough to, to take ownership of that as singles, as uh, married people, whatever the case is. Um, but I think we need to, as singles, so let me say we, I think singles uh, need to understand what the word is saying or outlining for them um, as responsibility, as um, what they're supposed to do, what they're supposed to maintain, the lifestyles that they're supposed to live. I think once you have a, a good grasp on that, you're well on your way. And it, it leads perfectly into this now because I want to, because it's for me, the journey to fatherhood, the podcast, as I said earlier before we started a recording, the journey to fatherhood is for me a way to not only help me, it started off with a selfish reason because I felt <laughs> a lot of times women. Have so, devil. Listen, I'll be honest, <laughs> yeah. I was like, a lot of women have, um, um, Workshop um, group chats or programs, workshops where how to be a great independent woman, how to be a great woman, how to be a great mother, and all of those things. And I found that we don't have as many for men. It's yeah. more or less tradition tends to be like, okay, when you grow up, okay, now here's responsibility. Now be a man, be a father, provide, and all of that. And I think it's failing us. So this podcast started for me, literally my journey to fatherhood. Whilst I'm Gaining all these things. Listen, I've had people come talk about finances. I've had people talk about um, relationships, patience, and things like that. And you've covered all of that together. Now, what I want to ask then is this. So you completed a journey from singleness, being dating, dating and relationship, marriage, and now fatherhood. What would you say in one, in, how would you say in terms of, what would you, how would you encourage people that are, either one part of that stage or the other in terms of making sure that they see the end goal even if they don't end up marrying how would you encourage someone in going through those stages still all right so it's, it's important for us first of all not to put any of society's ideas of what these timelines on these goals are for our lives uh, many people have this thing about, you know, I must be married by this time. I must be married by that time. Um, I must have kids by the age of 26 and I must be married by the age of 24. And if I don't have a house by the age of 28, then I'm a failure and I have to do all these things before I reach 30. And, you know, I, I must be living on my own, providing for myself out of my parents' house. Let, let, let us, let's stop that now because society can't put timelines on your success because you see someone else with it doesn't mean that it is a case where you have to have it as well by that time um i saw i saw someone put up a status recently that said everybody talking about getting married by 26 and moving out and having their own house and jesus still lives with his father after all these years so please leave me alone yeah and and what, what is even more interesting is that the word says, in my father's house, this is him talking to us, you know, in my father's house, yeah, basically there's room. 
right? If there was not, I would have said you so. You studied my man is, this. My man, is in, my man is telling you, my, my God is telling you, I live with my father and I'm inviting you to come and live with me. <laughs> yeah? They got room in here for all of us. Yeah? And, and this is God. So I feel like don't let society tell you and tell you, man, listen, you have to be out of your appearance house by this amount of time. Yes, it's good to have goals for your life. Yes, it's good to accomplish those goals and, you know, but don't let society's idea and concept of what um, your life is supposed to be cause you any anxiety to actually live in your life successfully as to how it is. That's, that's first and foremost for me, because um, I think we get distracted by that a lot. And if I'm being honest, Shani, I'm trying to remember the question. <laughs> the question was, like what would be your advice for people that are still going through that stage? Bear in mind, you've gone through that stage already. Right. Okay. So for people that are still going through that stage, I, I, I definitely started right then. I, I would like to say, um, don't allow society to, to fashion you into being who they want you to be or who they believe you should be. Um, you are not a failure. I, mm. I think that a lot of us want the success and we want it now. And as a result, we shouldn't be praying for success. We should be praying for patience because we are missing the mark. A lot of us don't understand the blessing when we even get them. Um, I remember in, in the same word, because I have to refer to the word, that's, that's, that's why I know, that's why I stand yeah, on. So, foundation. Um, in the same word, I remember when, um, I think it was the, it was the Israelites that were going away from, when Moses part the Red Sea, everybody went through, yeah. um, Red Sea came back, and they were in a, a I, I didn't just read the story, so I'm trying to remember it. Yeah, they were in a state now of complaining that, you know, um, you brought us out here to die and, you know, we're hungry and starving. And um, what I found interesting about this is that they're in a position where they've seen directly firsthand the work of God supernaturally. Mm. And yet they're complaining about what... Um, they believe that they lack at this point in time and accusing God of bringing them out there to die. Now they're praying, begging for food to eat, right? Yep. And at that point, manna comes down from the sky and it's called manna because they named it manna. And if you look up the, the meaning of the word manna, it means what is it? So they were not sure what it was, mm. yet they understood after that it was food that was being provided and they ate it. What that says to me is that in that period of time, where they were telling God, you know, they need food, begging for food. When it was provided, they asked, what is it? They didn't even notice the blessing when they got the blessing. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to me. Like, you were praying for this. God provided it for you. Mm. And at the same time, though, you are starving, meaning that you are ready for this blessing in your eyes. You didn't recognize it when God gave it to you. And I think that a lot of people out there are praying for things that they're not ready for. So realistically, make sure that you're ready for it. That's my, my encouragement to you. Make sure that you're ready for it before you actually think that you can receive it. Because when you receive it, you won't know what to do with it because you don't know what it is. As wow. the case with a lot of us for love. We out there praying for love, but we, we ain't ready for love. Ooh, say that one more time. Ooh. Yeah, we out there praying for love, but we ain't ready for love, man. That's powerful. I think I love the fact that you mentioned the pressure we put on ourselves because even myself, I have to remind myself not to operate at those stages. As yeah. much as I tell myself, okay, I need to work. What is the, where's the Garden of Eden? God has placed me in to put work on purpose before you bring someone in. I sometimes get lost in course age i should be doing this by this time realistically i should be doing this 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 and that but it's important what you said in terms of like i wrote it down not allowing societal pressures and the timelines they set to put cause us to be anxious yeah. and that is so important because i think even now with social media it's, it's all there's so much pressure on are you really a man if you haven't done this by this time if you're not here by this time what are you are you a bum are you serious what's going on yeah. And I think our men are getting hit by it. I know it's also happening for the women, but the men don't talk about it enough because we just feel it's like confirm it. 
let's just firm, okay, this is what it should be. And there's so much power in just understanding that it's societal timelines and pressures. And what are you preaching there? How can you say God says in my father's, Christ said in my father's house? I've never heard anyone use that way. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's reassuring. Yeah. And it's giving me a new perspective because as much as I know what I shouldn't allow myself to worry about, sometimes it still creeps in. And when you were talking about getting married at 16, I was like, is this guy trying to at me? Is he sending yeah. shots to me? Because <laughs> I was 26. And I was like, where are, you, where are you going with this? Where are you going with this? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the truth. We put so much pressure on ourselves. And like you said, sometimes the blessing comes, but we're not even ready for it. Yep, we are. But I, I want to know what now. I just like one thing I really want us to get into, because even similar to what you talked about when a blessing's there we don't know how to manage it or handle it i want to in the few moments that we have left what would you say is making your relationship with your wife work to the point where it's been you've been four years married if i'm correct of um actually it's five now it was five january 21st january 21st so it's five year, five years married and a son that is one year and nine months in on wednesday so what has made it work for you two? Um, I think that for us, we, we've, we've been our, our true authentic selves from the beginning. Um, mm. I, I know that, you know, I, for most of this, you can see that I'm a fairly relaxed, chill guy. But um, I could also be a very big goofball at times. And by at times, I mean a lot of times. So... Yeah. Uh, fortunately, my wife can also be a very big goofball at other times, but we we have been able to do that together. And I think we love that quirkiness, that um, that weird sort of personality that we both have. And um, yeah. yeah, we were able to be fixated on our Christian beliefs. Um, obviously, being um, Christians ourselves, we were able to then just build on a foundation. I think a lot of people um, who are married but worldly, don't get me wrong, people in the church have issues as well with their marriage. Mm. But I think that for me, at least in my mind, I am fortunate to have married someone that shares my belief in God and also the principles that we have. Um, Because while we keep the channels of communication open, um, they're not only channels of communication amongst ourselves, but also with God. So having that that opportunity to, you know, freely converse with my wife about anything, and I mean anything. If if a, a female has a crush on me, or a male has a crush on my wife, and even though we nip it in the bud with whatever um, is going on, not saying this is the case because I, I can't actually think of this situation. Um, even though we'll nip it in the bud with whatever is going on with that uh, person, we'll also discuss it with one another. It's not a case where um, someone would have a crush on one of us and then we keep it to ourselves. It's like, yo, um, so, you know, the channels of communication have to be wide open. We don't leave any room at all for the enemy just to put, you know, his toe in the door because we don't want to give him any leeway. So anything that could disrupt us, uh, we talk about it outright. It is a case where we we have that discussion. Um, I think that I owe it to her. Um, she believes that she owes it to me as well. And yeah, I think that also, sorry, the point I was making regarding us being people of God is that we have rules to live by. We have a guideline to live by that the word sets out for a husband and a wife. Yeah. So as a result, we, we are better able to follow those things in order for us to be better um, husband and wife to each other. So I, I think that plays a, a very crucial role. Um, it's extremely difficult for those who do not, well, sorry, no, let me speak for them. I, I would find it extremely difficult if I didn't have those rules to live by. Yeah. So having those rules to live by, I I definitely think it, it serves better in our stead to keeping us um, well glued together 
spending the quality time, understanding her love languages. Um, she understanding my love languages. And notice that I said jizz with um, an S, an ES, sorry, an S, because at the end of the day, it's more than one. Yeah. And yeah, we, we understand them and we work towards giving each other what the other person needs. I, I think that that is how it, it works and should work um, for marriages. I love that. And I, I love the fact that you, the communication is so key. And a lot, yeah. of, a lot of people don't understand the importance of communication. Like you mentioned, in terms of transparency, even when you nip something in a bud, being, and taking away the pride and ego to still share that. So that's what's powerful. And honestly, I respect you for that. One question I have, though, is what is the plan or what are, what's your vision for the next 20 years or 21 years of your son? I know he's, only, he's going to be turning one year and nine months by next week. What, 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 what's it going to look like? Because I'm interested. Are we going down the basketball route? Are we going to the track? I laughed just now because in my mind, I said NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Legit what I just said, but my wife just got home, so I had to look Oh, hello. Because... <laughs> um obviously it would be it would be whatever he wants to be um, yes there would be some coercing but yeah. there would be more forcing uh i would definitely be pushing the the basketball rounds at him um if it's something that he takes up which i'll be very enthused about yeah. then i'll be happy but if it's a case where he's not interested in it i definitely won't be forcing him into it but my idea for my son um or my my vision and goal for my son is to make sure that I impart with him the knowledge and the skills that he needs um, to traverse life and its challenges. Um, so making sure that he has a good godly foundation and in having a good godly foundation, I don't only mean um, educating him about God, but making sure that he sees a godly example in myself and my wife as we live our lives um, so that he can have something to live by. I also believe that... Um, when it comes to management of certain things, teaching him responsibility from a young age, as I said, I, I think that that's the premise on which my rests, yeah. um, broad premise, but I need to teach him certain things from his young age, whether it be managing finances, um, managing his health. I, I need to teach him that from a young age because those things are going to carry through his entire way of life. I actually have been very active in how he's um, been learning, meaning, well, my wife more so than I, but um, I've been very active in teaching him. Um, I, I marvel at the fact that at this young age, he, he knows his alphabet. He can tell you any letter if you write it down. Um, Less than two years old. You know, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Entire alphabet, yeah. all the numbers. He can count from one to 20 by himself. Um, he, he would struggle with certain things. Um, he would struggle with saying like the letter J. But if he, if he is told, go and bring the J, because he has enough letters, mm. just all the letters that are around. So if we still go and bring the J, he would go and come back with the letter J. So he knows the letters. Um, he knows the, the numbers. He would do the same thing. And he, he, he's even knowledgeable, knowledgeable of them in, in Spanish. So if I tell him, uh, what is this? And I hold up the number one, he would say uno. Like, you know, so I, I, uh, I think that he, he needs to be able to, yeah, to learn from this young age. And I've been yeah. very impressed by the way he's been learning. And trust me, there's... There's very little, if anything, that makes me proud to that extent where I can see the smile. See, yeah, and you see how active he is in learning, how proud he is himself in learning. And um, even when I get home on I, I divert a bit, but when I get home on evenings and you know, he runs to me as like the highlight of my day. So yeah, I, I think that he needs to learn those uh, things from this young age. Actually, I, I would have learned myself that when a child, a, a person learns 50% of how they would, how they, of their life lessons, 50% of the life lessons are 50% of uh, behavior. I think it was behavior, 50% of behavior between the ages zero and two. And I found that remarkable. So uh, it's from this young age that he, he needs to have it ingrained in him um, as to, you know, who he is, how, how he is going to interact. So I, I would push a little basketball. I would also make sure that 
Um, you know, he's knowledgeable of how to spend his money, um, yeah. knowledgeable how to save it, how to invest it. I, I would make sure that there are certain things in place for him that, you know, when he gets older, he will be able to have. Um, so I just think my responsibility is to make sure that his responsibility is lived up to. Oh, love that. Mindful of your time, because I know we're slightly over. I just want to ask you two things. So you mentioned early that you and your wife share an account and YouTube page called Lavelle Lifestyle. Can you spell that out for the listeners? So that sure. So them? it is at Lovell Set You Free on Instagram. Um, L-O-V-E-L-L Set You Free 2017, is it? At Lovell Set You Free 2017. But the page itself is called Lovell Lifestyle um, or the ministry itself is called Lovell, the Lovell Lifestyle. Um, I'm trying to look for it while I speak so that i don't miss misguide you no that's okay uh, we'll also put in the description when you send it over Just yeah and the youtube page is level level lifestyle level lifestyle the level yeah. lifestyle yeah. I'll, I'll look for that one now as well oh that's brilliant and with this i just i know i know that i firstly appreciate your time I appreciate yeah sorry level lifestyle confirming say that one more time it's level lifestyle on youtube Brilliant. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate your honesty. I think the honesty and the depth that we've gone is amazing. And I just no want to ask, problem. what would be one closing thing you'd like the listeners to say? Um, what, what would be one closing thing you'd like to say to the listeners or watchers? All right. Um, there was actually something on my mind when I was talking about the, the mana. Because... Uh, there was another revelation I got from that story that I probably would like to leave you with. And yeah, it's, it's really, let, let's try not to be too anxious for things. Yeah. Um, there are times where we are, we are so anxious for things that we essentially, as I said, we are not ready for. The word of God instructs us not to be, to be anxious for nothing. Um, and even though it might seem like people are getting ahead of you, um, it's, it's really not measured by their skill. It's your life is measured by your skill, not theirs. So even though it might seem like people are getting ahead of you, mm. you shouldn't let it bother you to the extent of um, changing your, your whole being as a result, because it could affect the way that you yourself are being blessed. So in, in that same situation, if, I'm trying to remember the story. I, if, if I knew that God would have wanted me to go down this line, I would have definitely read this story a bit more before I came on. That's absolutely okay. But Lord, your will and not mine. So I'm trying to remember what um, the, the revelation that I got from it was. And I think it was that if we are like the Israelites um, who were journeying to the promised land, because that's essentially what they wanted to get to the promised land. And I believe when they were, is, I think it's when they were partaking in that, that manner, um, they were rejoicing because God gave them exactly what they wanted short term. God gave them the manner. They were happy yeah. after they realized it was the food and stuff and they were eating it. They were rejoicing in that. But... It was in that moment that the Lord said that those that were there would not inherit the promised land. Absolutely. If I remember correctly, yeah, that they would not inherit the promised land. Mm -hmm. So what I found interesting about that is that they were anxious um, to inherit the promised land. Obviously, they want to get away. But they prayed for something in the short term, um, meaning the manna that they didn't recognize what it was in the first place. Mm -hmm. They prayed for something in the short term. And while they were given it, they were rejoicing. And in that moment of rejoicing is when the Lord said they would not get what they wanted long-term. So it's like, I got exactly what I prayed for, but yeah. not what I really needed. I am, so I got what I wanted, but not what I needed, if yeah. you get me. So because they were so anxious, they didn't inherit what they actually needed, but they just got what they wanted. And I think many of us out there are in positions where we are 
praying for something to happen so fast and so now instead of praying for patience which is actually what you need um, but yeah instead of praying for the patience and as a result you are missing out on what you would get in the long term which is the land flowing with milk and honey instead of you're you're giving up the the five course meal for the snack <laughs> That is exactly what you are you are doing. Yeah. You're you're rejoicing over the fact that you prayed and got your snack, but really and truly God wanted for you a five course meal. So you're pushing for this snack when God has for you a five course meal. So don't be anxious. Just you know accept that God has your best interests at heart, and that He would provide it to you in the right time. Um, because in the moment that they're rejoicing, is the very moment that they didn't wait on God for what could have been mm. and they got what they wanted no so yeah that'll be my take there that's listen you you've been not only sharing but you've been preaching and ministering all through i love it and yeah. i i once again once again cannot say thank you enough and guys for all of you listening please make sure you also i'll put in the description but make sure you go follow him on instagram his instagram handle is m-a-i-n-e nine zero m-a-i-n-e nine zero main 90 and there you also see the link in the description section you see the link to the youtube channel he was referring to so yeah. please make sure to you go there got... page actually because now i think about it i think my page is private so you, you might be able to see it but i'm not sure if they'll be able to see it but, that's okay yeah but definitely yeah. lovell lifestyle l-o-v-e-l-l lifestyle on youtube they have over 368 subscribers Let's make sure we go there and listen to it because I'm seeing some, I love it. I'm already, I was, you're talking now. I was having a look. You've got one that says the male brain. One of those videos yeah. that says the male brain, the male perspective before and after marriage. And that's similar to what we talked about. And it seems like yeah. you had some guests on it. So yeah. let's, let's really have this because I want it not just to be one platform that this conversation is happening. I want us to have a regular conversation on men strengthening each other. And I'll definitely be listening to that. And I may have some questions for you when I finish watching yours. Sure. But you know where to find me, man. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know a bit oh, over time. But I appreciate your time. I, I appreciate you having me, man. Thank, thank you very you. much. I appreciate the work you're doing as well. Thank Good you stuff. very much. Good stuff. Great. Encourage, man. Thanks.